Welcome to the first reflection episode of season two. It's good to be back, everyone. And I have some exciting news. We have an official name for these reflection episodes. From here on out, we're going to be calling them stepping stones because when Christina and I were talking about this, we were like, okay, we have these interview episodes, but then we have these reflection episodes in between what's a name that we could come up with? And Christina was like, stepping stone. And I was like, it's perfect because it literally is the stepping stone between the interview episodes. So that's where we are, folks pretty exciting. In case you are new to the podcast, these stepping stone episodes are basically a space for us to go deeper. I'm your host, Ingrid Nilsson, and in the last episode of One Step, I talked to Kayleen Schaefer about female friendship and her book, Text Me When You Get Home. So Kayleen actually just left the studio, and I took some notes on some things that really stuck out to me. I think the first thing from the interview, but also the book itself, was the idea of mean girls. The term mean girl was very pervasive at the time, and I really thought it was real. Like, I just thought, like, you know, girls are mean. And even as I was writing this book, and still it'll come up in conversation, and people are like, well, they are. Girls are mean. Like, that's just a fact. And it's, it's not a fact at all. It's a complete stereotype. It's socialization. It's how some women are raised to believe they have to interact with each other, which is really unfortunate because it's just a giant stereotype. We've been very much conditioned to just believe that girls and women are biologically wired to just be cruel and competitive with each other and to each other. And what I've realized as I've gotten older is that just isn't true. Like when you reject that stereotype, I feel like you start seeing that there's this whole other landscape of female relationships. And I think for me, I, you know, had a similar experience to Kayleen where, you know, growing up, I feel like when I got to a certain age, I just started absorbing these messages of, oh, girls are mean and that's just something that's accepted and there are going to be girls that are mean to me and I'm going to be mean to other girls almost like as a point of revenge or just because it's been done to me. I need to like pass along that torch and that's very much how I felt. But what's interesting is when I was really young, before I was really absorbing all of these messages more deeply, I remember having really deep, meaningful friendships. And I just never even thought for a moment that this was someone I wanted to be cruel to. This was someone that I was in competition with. Maybe there were small elements of that, just like on a human level and being young. And, you know, for some of my friends, it was almost like they could be a sibling in some ways because we were so close. But it wasn't that like mean girl thing. It was like, yes, we would have conflict 
um, and we didn't always align on things, but there wasn't this undertone of we are in competition with each other. We actually don't like each other. We genuinely did like each other and we wanted to spend like as much time together as possible. And then I remember I think the shift really started happening later in elementary school, but definitely middle school when, you know, I just started seeing just the way that people were treating each other. We were all growing up in the same broader culture. And I think that this is just so deeply embedded in our lived experiences that we just accept it to be true. And I just always thought, well, okay, these girls are being mean to me and I'm going to be mean to these girls and it's just going to be this thing that gets like passed along and just be a domino effect and that's just the way it is because we're biologically wired to be that way but it's just not true and I also agree with Kayleen when she was talking about this very much being about the patriarchy and how the patriarchy benefits from women having distance from each other and being competitive with each other and not wanting to be around other women. It's not like you have to be friends with every single person. That's not what's being asked of people. But I think what is being asked by the patriarchy is for women to not be friends, to not have those deeply important friendships, to not have that soulmate relationship. Because what happens to the patriarchy when that starts happening and women are forming these deep relationships and those relationships get bigger and more significant and then their friend circle also widens and that permeates into their professional lives. I think we're really seeing what happens right now. I think we are seeing it in our culture, just in the media that's out there. I think with movements like the Time's Up movement that's happening, how more women are speaking out. And I think that a big part of this is because women now more than ever are feeling supported and believed by other women. And that is such a big deal. So I think the Mean Girls topic in this book is so incredibly interesting. And like I mentioned to Kayleen, I've had this conversation with other people I've tried to bring it up like oh yeah mean girls and you know we were brought up to believe this and people are really resistant to it it's interesting how we've almost become comfortable with this narrative and I notice it around children and how people speak around children and what they say about girls versus boys and it's really really fascinating so I've experienced being on the receiving end of meanness and I also have the experience of being mean to other girls and both are horrible. I think that I definitely absorbed this very quickly and you know I remember being bullied on instant messenger when I was in middle school. It was just really cruel and then I also remember being really awful to people who I was friends with because I think a part of me was so hurt by what was happening. I didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to. I felt really 
isolated because it felt really invasive to not really know these girls at school but then for them to get my screen name and while I'm at home like chatting with my friends online or like doing homework these messages come up and I'm not exactly sure who they're from at first, but then I eventually find out. And it just felt really violating and invasive and scary that like at home, I didn't feel safe. And I didn't really feel like I had a place to talk about that. I just felt really ashamed. Like I am a horrible person and that's why they've like targeted me. And I I just felt ashamed and felt like I couldn't talk about it with other people. And so that caused me to really drift from the friendships that I had that were actually really wonderful. And I remember I just started being mean to my friends and I would like stop hanging out with them and not tell them why. And I would like ignore them in the hallways and not give them a reason why. And Then when they started reciprocating that back to me, you know, like ignoring me and, you know, not wanting to talk to me and that hurt as well. And it was just this cycle that I felt like I was caught up in. And it was something that I didn't really start unlearning and undoing until I became an adult. And I think that there were a lot of things that happened. I think one... I started examining myself and reflecting and thinking about the kind of friend that I wanted to be in the future and the kind of friends that I wanted in the future because I knew it was possible. I had those touchstones of really wonderful friendships when I was younger and I knew that it could be possible in the future. And so as I just started meeting different people and I started changing, it all started to come together where I realized, oh, this is totally possible. I'm not a bad person and there are people who want to spend time with me, who care about what I have to say, who care about my well-being and will 100% be there for me and listen to things that I never thought I could share with anyone. Just like this long list of things that I never even fully imagined could be in a friendship. Like I knew a friendship could be good, but I didn't know it could be this good. And now I just feel so grateful that that is what my experience is. And it's definitely been a huge just like wake up call for me moving to New York. I think any kind of major change in life really awakens your senses. And I think for me, moving away made me realize how precious my friendships are and how you know, two of my best friends are in Los Angeles and how it's important for me to still be in touch with them, but to also be cultivating friendships here and to be making new friendships here and to not be putting all of my weight and energy into these other friendships, but to work on expanding that space. And I think what's so beautiful is that Those friendships in Los Angeles have given me the confidence and the courage and the willingness to put myself out there in New York and meet new people. And 
I'm so proud of myself because in the last year, I have made at least two really meaningful new friendships in New York City. And that feels like a really big deal to me. And also just so far from the mean girl experience. Another thing that I've been thinking about just in general is what you share versus what you keep private. You know, a number of my friends are in this book and I wanted to be really careful that I was respecting them because obviously like I am in control of this process. They aren't. Mm -hmm. And so I'm talking about them and writing about them how I perceive it, but you know, they may be like, ooh, that's not right. Kayleen touched on that with writing this book because she was initially saying that she didn't want so much of her personal story in it. And she's also writing about other people and their experiences. And so she wanted to just be really aware of how she was portraying these stories because other people are affected by it. And this is something that I think about literally all the time. And I think it's a really delicate dance, especially with the internet. And I think more and more people are thinking about, okay, what is it that I want to be sharing and what is it that I want to keep private? I think more people are becoming a little bit more comfortable with just expressing what their boundaries are around that. But I also think that it's really scary too because there is an expectation of sharing a lot all the time. It's not just specifically around people whose careers are online like myself. It's really affecting everyone. Like I've had these conversations with so many people and I... I'm just blown away every time by how much people feel it, whether they are, you know, working from home, working in an office, they have a family, they don't have a family, like no matter what it is, whatever their life circumstances, they are feeling this pressure to keep up. And I feel like this is something that I have definitely had to learn the hard way. And I think there's a level of uncomfortable that I am okay with. But I also have to be very aware of what's that level of uncomfortable that I'm not okay with sharing. I think that's okay and actually necessary to have. I think it is absolutely vital to who we are as human beings to have a private life and to have a private experience. I think that is something that is really nurturing to us because not only does it give us this kind of like safe haven to explore ourselves in and to have intimate and really special moments with people in our lives, but I think it also allows us the space to do the work on ourselves. One hard non-negotiable line that I have is I will not talk about things that I am currently in process with because I don't understand where I am and I don't want to force myself to try and understand it before it's time. And I think that is something that I've definitely learned is that there is a time for all of these things. There's a time frame you know in which I am learning and there's a time frame in which maybe I'm okay with sharing this information publicly at some point maybe I'm not and that's okay too but I've really come to respect 
and honor that process. And I think trying to force it or rush it has actually caused me more harm when I've gone through those times where I've done things like that. And so that is why now I draw a hard line if there's something that I just don't really understand in a deeper way. It's not like I need to understand everything to talk about it because I don't like how much do we really know about everything if we're going to get philosophical here. But I have to have some kind of grounding. I have to have some kind of deeper knowledge. I don't just throw things out there to just throw them out there and like see what happens. Um, I don't do that with the really sacred parts of myself. And that is something that I've learned the hard way because I have gone through the process of throwing those sacred parts of myself out there and it didn't feel good because I either wasn't ready to or I just didn't want to period I'm really proud of myself for like setting those boundaries and I think that it's a constant evolution especially as our technology changes and our lives change and our wants and needs and desires are changing as well I think if I'm going to relate this to friendship, this idea of what you share and what you keep private. I think I definitely feel this with my friendships too. I've definitely posted photos of my friends and I've talked about them. But if you notice, I usually keep it pretty small, like the tidbit of information that I'm sharing. And a lot of times I have like already talked about it with Another friend, especially if it's something more personal, if I'm sharing like a detail that feels really intimate and personal between us, I will ask them in advance. And I also just really don't share like when I'm spending time with my friends, I don't really share about that publicly. And it happens a lot. Like at this point, I'm definitely seeing my friends on a very regular basis, at least once a week. So that feels really good to me because I feel like I need that space to just be with my friends and to, you know, go out to dinner with them or have them come over and like hang out with them and have conversations and not have to worry about, well, what's the rest of the world going to think about our friendship and how we look and what we're doing and how we treat each other and like all of these things. I just want to be with my friends. That feels like a really good place for me and it also feels extremely sacred. Okay, so another big deal for me is the emergency contact situation. Like I mentioned in the episode, having the realization that I was putting down friends' phone numbers and names and not my mom's number and name anymore was a pretty big deal. This felt like a really big shift for me because, you know, when I was younger, it felt really obvious that it would be my mom who would be or my dad who would be the one like there for me but then as I became an adult I started realizing oh this is actually the person that I want to be there with me and spoiler alert Eileen if I ever get injured in like yoga or Pilates prepare for a phone call because 
<laughs> you're my emergency contact for that. So um, you might get a call from New York City if something happens to me while I'm working out. And I'm serious about that, too. That is a real thing. I just feel like that is a huge signifier of where a relationship is because you're not just putting this person down on a piece of paper to like fill in the blank. You are putting this person down on this piece of paper or online in a form because this person has a history of showing up for you and you know that if something were to happen they would be there they would do something to help and going back to Eileen I'm not expecting you to get on a plane but you are the first point of contact if something were to happen. And <laughs> I feel like it's showing up in the way that they are able to no matter where they are. Because if you think about it, more likely than not, they would activate the network. That's what I call it. They would like engage the network and immediately find someone to be there if you needed it. And I think that's the thing that matters the most. And you know, when I was going through the process of figuring out, okay, I'm going to be responsible now and, you know, make a will and do all of these things, I was shocked but not shocked at how easily my friends' names just came out. The people who were top of mind, like if I'm thinking about, okay, I'm not here anymore, I'm dead, my tangible possessions and money are left behind, like who is it going to go to, who do I want to take care of? And my friends were a huge bulk of that list. It really solidified for me, like, oh my god, even in death, my friends are so important to me and I want to make sure that they are okay even if I'm not alive anymore. And I think that's something that you just don't really hear. Like we hear about with marriage, like till death do us part and like whatever. You read on tombstones like this everlasting love. We hear this about romantic love so much, but you don't hear that about friendship. And I very much feel that. Ugh, when Kayleen said friend breakups as the thing that we do not talk about, oh my gosh, I was like, this is the answer I wasn't expecting, but it is 100% the best answer. The thing that we don't talk about that I wish there was better language for is when you break up. It's hard because with friendships, you can just drift apart if if you know one person doesn't want to be friends anymore if your life changes in a way that doesn't make the friendship possible you don't ever have to address it like in a romantic relationship you can't just <laughs> drift apart and never talk about it you have to actually have that conversation I mean usually you can ghost but you know in a real relationship you have to talk about it you have to end the relationship and you don't have to with friendships Ugh, this is something, when she was talking about it, I was like, well, all my memories of painful friend breakups are coming back to me in a wave. And I think about the last podcast, Ladies Who Lunch, and the amount of messages that we got that were specifically around friend breakups, like how to navigate a friend breakup. What do I do? This is so painful. And I think she was so right. Like there is no formality to it. There's no like 
clear beginning or end to the relationship. We don't really know how to, you know, communicate what it is that we might be going through. And I have been on both sides. I know the anxiety and the worry that comes along with being on the end of not being responded to. It's a person that I'm used to getting regular responses from and then all of a sudden I'm not getting responses from them. I know what that anxiety and worry is like and I also know what it's like to be the person who is not responding and both of them are incredibly terrible and shitty places to be because it sucks to be the one who's not being responded to because you immediately just go into well what have I done did I do anything like did I just completely miss something you just go over like all the worst case scenarios all the medium case scenarios all the just fluffy scenarios literally everything goes through your mind Um, and then on the other end Being the person who is not responding is also really painful because you may be getting these messages that you see are building up and each time you don't respond, you feel more anxiety and more guilt for not responding. And what I've noticed is that often when that happens, that buildup happens, most of the time I'm not mad at the person. They've literally done nothing, but I am feeling really overwhelmed in my life and I am just feeling unable to respond in the way that I normally do even to people in my personal life and I definitely have those moments where it's like I just feel like I'm frozen because I'm just so overwhelmed and so exhausted and when I'm in that state it's so hard to break that cycle because it feels like okay, I'm just going to keep avoiding, avoiding, avoiding because I can't bear to face this. But then it gets to a point where the avoiding becomes so painful that I need to address it. And by that point, it's something that has snowballed. So I think what Kayleen said about how she tries to communicate early if something is going on and she's like really busy or like feeling stressed and she's just like not as available as she normally is, I feel like that is something that I need to be better at instead of waiting until I'm like knee deep in it but acknowledging it when it's starting because I'm usually aware of like when it's happening and communicating that earlier to people so it doesn't snowball into something because then when it does snowball I end up having to apologize and explain what was going on and explain to the other person how they had nothing to do with it and all of this stuff that I just wouldn't have to do if I had communicated to them earlier that hey I'm just not going to be as available as I normally am. I love you. I'm thinking about you. Let's make plans for a later date. If I did that earlier, it would save me from having to like go into that space of just feeling really awful and then having to like dig myself out of it and just it's almost re-emerging to your friend with like a surrender flag and you're just like, I'm terrible. I know. I'm so sorry. And it's just not a good feeling. And it's not a good feeling for the friend who's like waiting for the response either. So I feel like I'm definitely going to take that advice and try putting that into practice. 
I also think staying in touch with our friends is definitely work. It takes up time. It takes up energy. And that is definitely energy that I am willing to expend at this point in my life. But I also am, you know, creating boundaries around my phone specifically. And sometimes I will get text messages from people. And it's during a time where I'm not using my phone, but like they may not know that. And so it comes off as ignoring. And I feel like one thing that I can do to improve my communication within my friendships is letting my friends know that, hey, you know, during these hours, I'm less available on my phone. And then during these hours, I'm not on my phone at all. And sometimes that changes on a daily basis. But like if I'm getting tons of text messages, I don't even have to read all of them. I can just quickly respond and say, hey, I see that you're messaging me. I'm not available right now, but I'll get to these later. But just like letting them know that I'm still around. Maybe it's almost like thinking of an emoji or something that can be sent that signals like, I see that these messages are coming in. I can't respond right now, but I care about you and I will respond to these later. That would be cool to just be able to have one emoji that you can send as like a sign. Now I'm going to be thinking about that. Okay, the last thing I want to touch on is the advice that Kayleen gave in terms of making new friends, especially as an adult. The answer is so straightforward, which is a friendship is made by repeated interactions with a person. So that's what you have to do. You know, that's why we make friends in school. That's why we make friends at our first jobs. So if you're not tethered to any of those things, then, you know, maybe it's someone you see in yoga or you see every day at the coffee shop or is in your co-working space or you know, is your neighbor. And you just have to try to interact with them if you want to in a way that, like, you have to take your shot. I love that she broke it down in such a simple way. Friendship is created through repeated and shared interactions. That is it. That is exactly it. And I know with making new friends, I definitely felt pressure to either be best friends with the person right away or feel nothing. And that's just not really how it works and what I've realized is just having these regular interactions with people over the last year these people that a year ago I didn't even know and now like we've had so many shared experiences the thing that has really bonded us together is those repeated interactions because with each new interaction something different would happen a new door would open a new story would be shared a new emotion would come out something new was always revealing itself and I think that is so incredibly special and it's been so cool for me as an adult to really be present and aware of that unfolding and that process because I think When I was younger, even just five years ago, I just wasn't aware of what that process was like. I wasn't thinking about it as it 
was unfolding. But this last year, each time I was like meeting up with my new friends, especially at the beginning, I would walk away and just be like, wow, that was something that I didn't know about them before. And it's just been so cool to be incredibly present in that process and that unfolding and just ultimately the relationships. I think approaching new friendship like a repeated interaction is actually really digestible because if you think about it through that lens, you just know, okay, there's one person that I'm interested in and I can commit to three to five regular interactions with them over this amount of time. And I think that is something that's digestible. You don't have to like paint a picture of like what each interaction is going to look like and exactly what's going to be shared or revealed. It's just about having those repeated interactions. And then you can decide, is this something that fits or is it something that doesn't really work? But I just honestly feel like more often than not, It works because even with our podcast club meetings, that's a bunch of strangers for the most part in the room. Like we have definitely had some repeat people come in, but they don't know everybody else that's like showing up who's new. And everyone feels a connection to each other. And I think that is proof that the mean girls thing is not true and that those positive interactions and those positive relationships are more likely to happen than not. We're more likely to connect with people than not. I'm going to challenge you all by choice to try out this exercise. So if you are looking to make a new friend, I challenge you to write down the names of one to three people who you think could potentially be Friends. So these are people that maybe you've met once or a couple times before or maybe more than that, but you've had like casual interactions with them, but there's that feeling inside of you where you're like, oh, I really like them or I'd like to get to know more about them or I really feel like we could be friends. I feel like we all have at least one person in our lives and in our routines that makes us feel that way. So if you write down the name of that person and where you see them or where you met them if they're not someone that you regularly see. And then after that, write down one thing that you two could do together. And that can be your first step. So that is my reflection for the week. Here's what you guys had to say about Kayleen's episode. Hi, One Step Podcast. I just wanted to say that your episode on friendship came during a really good time because as someone who's in their mid to late 20s, I have thought about cultivating adult friendships with other women my age um, and older than me as well. It has definitely been more difficult, I would say, than when I was younger and I was in a school environment and where people were just readily available and accessible to make friends. And listening to your podcast episode and knowing there's a community of people who are also tuning in is so comforting to know because there is a community of like-minded people out there. And I can say that I have attended one of your in-person podcast meetups and I absolutely loved it. Because of those meetups, I have met a friend or a couple friends actually through 
the meetups and it's been really great i've kept in touch with some of them and i'm definitely cherishing these friendships so i just wanted to say thank you so much and love how this episode encouraged us to step out of our comfort zones and explore and pursue friendships thanks hi ingrid first i like to say i've been a subscriber for many many years and i love the podcast my name is bruna and i'm from curitiba brazil i'm currently at home because of the quarantine for the coronavirus so i decided to send you this note about the latest episode this episode in particular warmed my heart because friendship especially with women was always very important to me when i was younger it was kind of hard to for me to see some girls saying that they prefer to be friends with boys I remember them bragging about it like it was so cool and I was seeing women getting together becoming support networks for each other especially now that most of my friends are becoming moms I think it's beautiful I love the sense of sorority and family that we are creating for each other I think it's awesome And about breaking up with friends, a friend recently broke up with me and didn't see why. And I feel like I shouldn't ask like I would have done in a romantic relationship. So I was thinking, do you think we should be more emotionally responsible in the situations? Hello, I really love this week's episode about female friendship. I'm 18 years old and I have two really great friend groups. I love that you talked about female friends being equally as important as romantic relationships because That is something I find to be very true in my life and I wanted to tell you about especially one friend that has meant a lot to me. We've been friends for about six years now. We've had our issues in the past. Last year she ghosted me and I was heartbroken because she was my best friend and just meant a lot to me. When I had no friends she started becoming a really important friend to me. So last year she had some problems with an eating disorder and I didn't really know about it because she, she never really opened up about her issues or never talked really to me or the rest of the friend group about things she was struggling with. Yeah, so she goes to me for a couple of months and I was heartbroken. I felt like a part of me was had died. It was like a romantic heartbreak. But after a couple of months, we started talking again and now we've never been closer and I wrote actually a heartfelt letter to her for her birthday recently where I expressed all of the emotions that I felt for the last six years the really good emotions and the really sad emotions. We've never really talked about how much we meant to each other, but I think we both kind of understood it. And she gave me a really nice response and I was so happy. I started crying. I cried like three hours writing that letter. So yeah, I love my beautiful friends. And thank you for the episode. Thank you to all of you out there who are listening. I'm so looking forward to the rest of season two. And just so you guys know, we'll be tweaking things and trying new ways to make this a richer experience for everyone. So if you have feedback, please let us know because you know the changes that you're already experiencing right now, a lot of it has come from listener feedback. So we really take it seriously. So if you have any ideas or comments, you can email us at one step podcast at gmail.com. 
Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. This is where we post, you know, little IGTV series we have. We also make all of our podcast club announcements on the Instagram. So if you are interested in attending these podcast club meetings, Instagram is the place to go. Make sure you follow. And a pro tip from people who have attended our podcast meetings, the way that they have told us that they have been able to get in because it sells out within 15 to 30 minutes they put their post notifications on for the podcast Instagram account. So when we post, they're notified and they can check to see if it is about the podcast club. I'm just saying, if you really want to get in, that is the way to do it because the tickets do sell out really fast. Before I go, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can find One Step on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you, as always, to our producer, Christina Cleveland, our sound engineer, Tung Chen, and our studio, the wonderful YouTube space in New York City. Take care and talk soon.